Chapter forty four of the Barnabys in America by Francis Milton Trollope. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter forty four. The major's versatile powers are shown to great advantage. Patty displays an affectionate heart. Mr. Egerton takes a very long journey to very little purpose, but comes to a safe harbor at last. So very little space is left for detailing the last scenes of the Barnabys in America that they must needs be passed over very lightly. It is hardly necessary, after what the reader knows already, to state that the reception of the Reverend Mr. O'Donagough at Mount Lebanon was everything his heart could wish. Young ladies and old, brown ladies and fair, all vied with each other how they best might prove their reverence for his character and admiration for his talents it is true that the gentlemen of sandusky did not put themselves to much trouble to do the honours of the town to the industrious major but neither did they on the other hand at all interfere to check the hospitalities of the ladies so that the time he remained there he might truly be said to have been living in clover it must be remembered however that major allen barnaby though for particular reasons alone at sandusky was not alone in the world at any rate he himself never forgot that he had a wife and daughter whose worldly welfare depended as much upon his exertions in one way as the unworldly welfare of the serious ladies of the lake did in another and it therefore happened as all persons blessed with an acute perception of character must have foreseen that he had not remained many days amongst them before he made it understood that the hand of fortune had been as penurious to him as that of nature had been bountiful were this chapter of his adventures at the beginning of the first volume instead of being at the end of the third i might be tempted to describe at some length the various ways in which his conjugal and paternal affections acted as siphons upon the female pockets of this amiable inland sea population but the time is past for this and i must therefore content myself with stating that for nearly a month the reverend mr o'donagough lived upon the fattest fat of the sandusky land and that seldom a day passed during this period without adding a dollar or two on some pretence or other to his resources the liberality of mrs general pedmington indeed was not restrained to such little offerings as these for ere he parted she presented her new friend with five hundred dollars for the embellishment of his humble chapel in england upon condition affectionately expressed and fully understood that he should revisit mount lebanon before his departure for the old country it was not perhaps the least agreeable feature of this delightful month that the major during the course of it had the singular gratification of hearing himself perpetually talked of described and condemned to all sorts of pains and penalties as one of the most audacious swindlers that ever ventured to poach on the native preserves of the union while he sat tranquilly by uttering an occasional alas at the strange depravity of human nature at length however some feelings of weariness began to creep like a mildew over the delights of the mount lebanon reunions not indeed among the charming society to its manners born but to the stranger who had first to learn their ways and then to adopt them it was amidst showers of tears that the sisters of the needle steeple congregation took their last reluctant leave of the gentle major and the judicious tenderness with which he graduated his farewell benedictions to them all had in it a delicacy of tact that upon recollection positively surprised himself and caused him to exclaim as so many have done before him no man knows what he is capable of performing till he tries can it be doubted that the meeting with his family at pittsburgh was delightful or that mrs allen barnaby was rewarded with more than one glass of her favourite wine for having so long and so patiently endured the absence of her beloved husband and at pittsburgh as before decided 
they took into consideration the comparative advantages of risking returning for a few days to new orleans or its neighbourhood which could be done with perfect convenience by water or of travelling across the allegheny mountains to baltimore for the purpose of embarking for europe against the first there was the danger of the major's being recognised as the hero of the big gang-bank festivities against the last was the expense and fatigue of a long land journey with the doubt whether the major would be much safer there than at new orleans paddy whose fears from discovery were of a considerably graver nature than those of the rest of the party protested strongly against returning to new orleans declaring that though pap did sometimes put her in dreadful passions by being so stingy of his money to her and the don she did not want to have him hanged few ladies on the whole could be less victims of delicate sensibility than my beautiful bride yet nevertheless she now exhibited considerable feeling for upon her mother saying that she thought they would be all safe at new orleans if they did but take a little care and put up at the further end of the town for mrs carmichael's boarding-house she burst out upon her with great vehemence and declared that she believed in her heart that she was looking forward to being a widow again and making conquests the major was a good deal touched by this testimony of his daughter's affection but being himself very strongly in favour of the new orleans scheme he told her after a hearty hug that he was excessively obliged to her for her kindness and that the fear of vexing her if anything went wrong with him would be as likely to make him careful as the dread of the gallows itself but if you could have seen me at mount lebanon my darling you would have been cured at once and for ever of all fears on my account i really did not know my own powers before patty but now i declare to you upon my word and honour i would rather have the fun of bamboozling the natives than not i would venture to bet five thousand to one against any one of those we saw at new orleans knowing me again if i did not choose they should do so besides my dear i have another word to say in favour of the new orleans plan i heard from many people while i was at sandusky that it would be a sin and a shame to leave the country without spending a few weeks at natchez which for pleasant amusements and all that and here the major gave a sidelong glance of intelligence to his wife and the don is quite new orleans in miniature and moreover by reposing ourselves there for a little while it would be easy enough to leave when there was a good vessel going to start for havre and our places might be easily secured on board her without our ever making our appearance in the city till the very day she set off i vote therefore for our making our way by the ohio and the mississippi to natchez and remaining exactly as long as we find it agreeable and not an hour longer this scheme seemed to satisfy all parties and was accordingly acted upon forthwith the long river voyage was performed with much less tediousness than any of them expected for the major and his son-in-law scarcely ever passed an idle hour while they were on board nor one that was not more or less profitable for this long line of river travelling is as remarkable for its industrious gambling as for any other of its agreeable features as to mrs allen barnaby and patty they found means to amuse themselves exceedingly well though they played neither at whist nor piquet there were several ladies on board who by asking them day after day incessant questions respecting themselves gave them both such an opportunity of vapouring about their european grandeur as kept them in perpetual good humour so that they all arrived at natchez in excellent spirits and ready to meet whatever adventures might chance to befall them there with sharp wits and sturdy courage it took but little time to convince major allen barnaby that the information he had received respecting the social and intellectual advancement of the population of this flourishing little town was perfectly correct 
it realized all his hopes and exceeded all his expectations so that for rather more than two months that the party remained he had scarcely a single misadventure or disappointment of any kind to recount to his faithful wife this steady current of good fortune however only served in the long run to convince him that with his talents and advantages his son-in-law ranking higher and higher every day among the latter he could not do himself justice while carrying on business in so small a way his high-minded wife also was most decidedly of the same opinion and being moreover as well as her daughter heartily tired of the town and everything in it the feminine influence of the family was put forth with considerable activity while even the peaceable tornorino though exceedingly well pleased by a few well-timed donations from his father-in-law began to hint now and then in a gentle murmur that the vin was not very good in a word their speedy departure was fixed and decided upon a certain evening when little or nothing had been done at the usual place of meeting and on the following morning the major started alone for new orleans by an early steamboat intending to disembark a mile or two above the town and to proceed early on the following morning direct to the quays where the large vessels bound to europe were sure to be found the costume he assumed for this expedition was that of the rev mr o'donagough over which on leaving his lodging he threw a large cloak to prevent any observations from his neighbours and quietly walked on board in all outward respects so utterly unlike the military gentleman who had figured as an east indian of a large fortune during his residence at natchez that there was certainly very little chance of his being recognised while he is prosperously borne by tide and steam towards the place of his destination we will rapidly follow the fortunes of mr egerton from the time he left the side of annie beauchamp in pursuit of him in the first instance he proceeded in consequence of the information he had received to new york and devoted himself most indefatigably to the task of discovering if any such personage as major allen barnaby was to be found there not a single hotel boarding or lodging-house of tolerable respectability was left unquestioned and such was the zeal and perseverance of his perquisition that had the major been in the city he could scarcely have escaped it but during the days thus employed our major and his family were as the reader well knows at philadelphia being at length reluctantly convinced that no major allen barnaby was to be found there mr egerton returned to new orleans convinced that he had begun his search very unadvisedly in taking it for granted that his slippery countryman was likely to be found where he said he should be and determined for the future to trace him step by step on surer evidence than his own word he ventured not however to present himself at big gang bank but obtained from his fair correspondent there all the particulars she could gather from the slaves who had attended upon the allen barnaby party as to the place to which they had conducted them to this place he immediately repaired but though the party as described by him were perfectly well remembered at the principal hotel there he found it impossible to ascertain with certainty whither they went afterwards most of the people of the house declaring that they went to new york while one or two porters positively stated that their luggage was put on board a vessel going to philadelphia in this dilemma the young man had recourse to his own judgment as to which was most probable and although he had already satisfactorily convinced himself that in the first instance he certainly did not go to new york he still thought his chance of finding him would be better if he again returned to that city in the hope of his having visited it subsequently than waste his time in troubling by going to philadelphia knowing enough of the style of its society to be convinced that if the object of his search had really been there he did not stay long to new york therefore he again repaired but not till major allen barnaby had left it about four-and-twenty hours but though he found not him he found enough concerning him to add proof to conviction as to his character 
for here chance favoured him by sending him upon his arrival to the same house in which the illustrious english family had boarded and his very first inquiry brought forth from the party at the dinner-table where it was made the most violent burst of indignation against the major who was declared by the whole company to be the most atrocious swindler that ever lived beyond this however he gained little information sufficiently authentic to be of any use to him he had been traced to the springs they said and clearly recognised as the suspicious individual to whom mr gabriel monkton had devoted so much attention but beyond the deck of the steamboat all trace of him was lost and that how when and where he got on shore no one knew or notwithstanding the national propensity could even venture to guess mr monkton had declared that he had himself watched every passenger that had left the boat both at cleveland and at sandusky and that major allen barnaby was most certainly not amongst them it was however the general opinion of the whole party that he had escaped the very active pursuit after him by travelling pretty considerable far west such being as they said the universal custom of all the gentry who had made the old states too hot to hold them the evident probability that this was the fact was a severe disappointment to poor egerton who had hoped to return to the house of colonel beauchamp with such confirmation of his statement respecting the major as might have restored the confidence and friendly feeling of himself and wife in greatly less time than it would take him to reach the far west and obtain such legal confirmation of what he had asserted as could admit of no contradiction or evasion the news he had of the runaway at new york was however such as very satisfactorily to strengthen his hopes of obtaining this could he overtake him and he therefore once more set forth with no other guide than what was furnished by a list of the various towns through which he was likely to pass or where he might have been tempted to tarry this very laborious expedition however proved entirely abortive and at length weary and desponding he gave up the chase and determined upon returning with all speed to new orleans where annie's letters informed him the family would soon be settled for the winter with no better proof of what he had stated than the reports he had heard at new york harassed and out of spirits egerton was traversing the galley-walk of the steamboat that was taking him his last day's voyage towards the place of his destination when the boat stopped to take in wood and passengers at natchez the young man was in no very speculative humour and though he listlessly bent over the rail as if to watch the comers and goers he in reality paid but little attention to any of them there was one figure however which notwithstanding his abstraction drew his attention and fixed it this was a peculiarly nice-looking elderly gentleman dressed in black whose sole dress and aspect declared him to be of the clerical profession and whose remarkable quietness of demeanour offered a strong contrast to the half-horse half-alligator population of which the passengers were almost entirely composed this venerable personage entered the vessel and moved onward without looking either to the right or to the left and in doing so passed so close to mr egerton but without seeing him the profile of this respectable gentleman struck egerton as being very like that of some individual whom he had seen he knew not where or when and he followed him with a sort of curiosity which this imperfect kind of recollection always produces when the stranger reached the gallery in front of the great cabin he seated himself for a moment on a sofa that was placed there and with his hands rather formally crossed upon his breast lifted his mild eyes and looked about him in this circular glance he caught sight of mr egerton and in doing so started evidently at least to the young man himself whose eye was fixed upon him but not sufficiently to attract the attention of any other person 
this involuntary movement on the part of the respectable gentleman in black naturally attracted a more scrutinizing glance from egerton in return and then though the reverend personage was moving away and that a portion only of his face was visible he instantly became convinced that he saw before him the man he was seeking his own mode of proceeding was immediately decided on the start and the sudden departure showed him both that he was recognized and avoided and he determined while strictly keeping watch over him that he would show no symptom of recollecting their having met before at the dinner-table the black-coated gentleman took his place with the rest of the company but egerton while taking care to look around him with an equal air of indifference upon them all was aware that his looks words and gestures were carefully watched by the stranger he felt certain if his ci-devant acquaintance perceived that he was known in spite of his disguise he would bolt at the first station at which the boat should stop to take in wood for the engine but so well did he contrive to look at the man as if he had never seen him before that our major for most surely it was himself became perfectly reassured and fully confirmed in the agreeable conviction that when he chose to disguise himself nobody could find him out the reverend mr o'donagough therefore it was thus that his carpet-bag was labelled continued his voyage to new orleans with no further precaution than taking care not to speak within hearing of mr egerton lest his ear might prove more discerning than his eye it was as dark as an american night could well be when they reached new orleans and egerton aware that it would be impossible to watch his suspicious fellow-traveller without following him too closely to avoid being watched in his turn very cleverly enlisted in his service a negro lad who had charge of a neatly ornamented bird-cage containing a fine mocking-bird to whom during many hours of the day he had been teaching various tunes this rather amusing occupation first caused mr egerton to notice him and the sable youth giving sundry indications of sharp-wittedness in his answers it struck him that a dollar might be well bestowed in securing his services as a spy the offer was promptly made and promptly accepted the reverend mr o'donagough paid no attention whatever to the young slave in his bird-cage who having seen the parson gentleman safely housed at an obscure inn returned swiftly to his employer who was awaiting him at a well-known hotel near the landing-place the diligence and intelligence of the lad induced egerton to inquire if he could serve him further and he was readily answered in the affirmative the young slave stating that he was the property of a pretty young lady who was very good-natured and would not scold him even if he did stay out of the house a bit now and then no arrangement could be more favourable for his purpose as no agent could be employed less likely to excite suspicion and accordingly having paid him in a style very effectually to answer his zealous services he made the youth understand enough of his object to render them available and then repaired to the post-office where according to promise he found a letter from annie she told him that their removal to new orleans was postponed in consequence of some plantation business which was to be completed before they left the premises but that she thought he might venture to pay them a visit if he wished it as both her father and mother had first become affronted and then suspicious in consequence of never having received a single line from their dear friend mrs allen barnaby from the time she had left them moreover their far-off neighbour mr hapford having at length recovered from a violent fit of the gout had been at the bank and declared his conviction of having been cheated at play by the whiskered englishman whom he had met there at his last visit all this as annie gently observed would greatly lessen the probability of his being rudely received if he came to visit them his fair correspondent then went on to say that she thought poor louisa perkins to whom he had always shown so much kindness was greatly in want of some friend to put her in the way of getting back to england 
for that though she and her sister were come again to the bank after making a circle of visits among the people who most wished to honour mrs allen barnaby it was very evident that her father and mother wanted to get rid of them and annie said she greatly feared they would not much longer delay letting them perceive this in a manner that it would greatly pain her to witness this long letter was read twice through and then egerton having kissed the signature folded the precious paper carefully and placed it like its rather numerous predecessors under the protection of a bramalock began to meditate upon the difficult problem of how he could set off instantly to obey the summons it contained yet not lose sight of the major before he could learn a little more concerning him that of these two apparently incompatible objects the first was in his estimation the most important was proved by his instantly ringing for a waiter and dispatching him to secure a place in the next coach that left new orleans in the direction he wished to go no such conveyance however was to depart till the following morning and before he went to rest his black ally inquired for him and was shown into his room his report was as follows the parson gentleman was called the reverend mr o'donagough he was going to havre wanted four first-rate berths and his family at natchez should go and fetch them in time to sail the lady anne which was the name of the vessel in which he was going was not to sail for ten days and finally the reverend gentleman himself had already started off again in a steamboat for natchez it was impossible any intelligence could be more agreeable if colonel beauchamp still wished for any further information respecting his late honoured guests there was time enough for the purpose before they sailed and moreover their young accuser would have the satisfaction of conveying the important intelligence that they had again thought it convenient to change their name egerton slept soundly though dreaming all night of annie and arrived without delay or accident of any kind within half an hour's walk of big gang bank it was long since frederick egerton had experienced emotions of so much happiness as at the moment he set off upon this walk the letter of annie had perhaps more of shyness and less of love than any of her former ones but he interpreted this very correctly and was certainly not the less happy for it annie fancies thought he that i am already almost in her presence and must not be spoilt by too much indulgence thus gaily thinking he went bounding on and had reached the palings that surround mrs whitlaw's property which ardently as he wished to advance with all possible speed almost induced him to stop that he might gaze upon the objects which had surrounded him when annie had first promised that she would never be the wife of another but the question whether he should pause or not was not left for him to decide for just as he reached the little gate by which he had formerly entered the premises nina the favourite slave of his beloved rushed out and seized his arm thank god mr egerton she exclaimed i have not watched for you in vain my mistress is here miss annie is here come in come in you must not go a single step farther towards the bank delighted to find that annie was so near and thinking perhaps that she had come thither and set her favourite to watch for him that she might give him some word of advice or instruction before he saw her parents egerton followed the rapidly retreating figure of nina till he once more found himself in the flowery portico of the good cleo's elegant abode notwithstanding the advanced season the windows were open and another step placed him before the eyes of annie beauchamp though the slave nina had so evidently expected him it was equally plain that her young mistress did not for the agitation of annie was for a moment too great to permit her speaking but tears of emotion were blended with smiles of happiness as she yielded her beautiful hand to his caresses almost without a struggle when at length she found her voice she exclaimed 
how can it be that i see you here mr egerton i confess i have been hoping for your arrival at the bank for two days past but what has made you come here have you seen my father i am right down glad he is here annie interrupted mrs whitlaw cordially offering her hand to egerton i saw how it was going on with his heart when he was here before and what could he do better annie than come here to meet you and tell you all about it perhaps you know my dear he may not be that much at his ease with madame beauchamp and the colonel as he might be with you and i egerton related his meeting with nina at the gate and whispered to annie that she confessed she was waiting for him silly girl exclaimed the young lady blushing i dare say she knew that i was expecting you but most surely i never told her to waylay you in this strange style mr egerton let not the kind zeal in my service bring reproof on her he replied laughing i shall remember it with gratitude my annie as long as i live a very interesting conversation then followed in which mr egerton narrated his discovery of the disguised major on board the steamboat which annie assured him would be more than sufficient to convince her father and mother that he was indeed all that they had been so kindly warned to expect they should find him and then followed a discussion in which mrs whitlaw joined as to the best mode of mr egerton's presenting himself should he accompany annie home should annie precede him or should he precede her she declared that she had not courage to announce his approach and it was at length agreed that he should proceed to the bank alone endeavour to see both her parents inform them of all he had learned concerning major allen barnaby and then venture to ask if they considered this as proof sufficient of his being a man of honour if the answer was favourable he was to go on to express all his hopes and ask their consent to his wishes having received the sanction of annie and her affectionate friend for this he left them and had already again reached the little gate which opened from the lawn and which was not within sight of the house when once more he was met by nina he had observed that she looked hurried and agitated when he first met her but she was now infinitely more so and when she found from the direction he took and the words he said that he was hastening to colonel beauchamp's house she threw herself on the ground before him and with tears and sobs implored him to go back no room is left me to describe at length the scene which followed finding that nothing she could say could dissuade egerton from executing the plan which had been sanctioned by annie she uttered a groan that made him shudder and exclaimed then i must break my oath and sacrifice my life for her and what is dearer to her than herself if you go to my master's house young gentleman you will be murdered even after this it was some time before the terrified and reluctant girl could be made to explain herself fully but at length she confessed amidst sobs and groans that the slaves on the colonel's property and that of the neighbouring plantation which belonged to judge johnson were in revolt and stood bound by tremendous oath to murder every white person of whatever age or sex that should come across them while in the act of securing whatever portable property of value they could find in either mansion they had arranged she said to escape to the numberless hiding-places known to them in the neighbouring forests where they could long subsist upon the food they meant to carry with them and expected finally to get off by means of the money of which they expected to get possession and because no one would be left alive in either estate to pursue them to the execution of this wild and horrible project they had all engaged themselves by the most solemn vows and rather would they fail and die cried the girl then live to endure more years of misery 
Egerton's first object was to restore the agitated Nina to such a degree of composure as might enable her to tell him how long this scene of horror had been in action, and where she imagined her master and mistress to be. At length he learned from her, but not without considerable difficulty, that when the oath was first proposed to her, she refused to take it, but was told that if she persevered in this she would be kidnapped away and kept a close prisoner till it was all over she then took it but with the understanding after long battling for it that she might save the white females if she could but that if she attempted to save the life of a white man she would herself be murdered she told him also that after prevailing on miss annie to pay a visit to mrs whitlaw she had got mrs beauchamp and the miss perkinses into the dairy-house under pretence that miss annie wanted to show them something there and that having previously secured the windows she had locked them in and then ran away egerton's first thought after hearing this terrifying statement was concerning the safety of annie he told the trembling slave to fear nothing but carefully to watch her young mistress and if she attempted to leave her present shelter to tell mrs whitlaw the whole truth that she might restrain her even by force if necessary he then obtained the key of the dairy-house the situation of which he well knew determined that his first object should be the conveying the ladies confined in it to mrs whitlaw's and then to trust to being recognized as an englishman while he risked a visit to colonel beauchamp's house in the faint hope of saving its wretched master light of foot firm in nerve and steadfast in purpose he lost no moment after deciding what to do he found the three ladies in a state of dreadful alarm for no sooner did mrs beauchamp discover that they were prisoners than she guessed the truth for by an infatuation difficult to comprehend the lives of the planters seemed pretty equally divided between tyrannizing over their slaves and trembling at the chance of their taking vengeance for it very few words passed between them egerton saying in that tone of decision which at such moments is all-powerful mrs beauchamp give me your arm follow us closely miss perkins with your sister i will take you to a place of safety where you will find miss beauchamp and then i will seek the colonel not a word was uttered in reply nothing i believe silences talkers effectually but terror and seasickness it was the wish and will of egerton that they should walk quickly but they had no other difficulty to contend with for the negroes were too busy at their work of pillage to be at many yards distance from the house on reaching the friendly abode of the good cleo they found that nina in her restless anxiety had already told both her and annie all she had previously told egerton the delight of annie at seeing her mother in safety may be imagined nor is it needful to dwell upon the amount of her gratitude to egerton but dreadful was the combat at her heart when she saw him about to plunge into danger so dreadfully certain in the desperate hope of saving her unhappy father yet could she bid him to stay it was impossible fortunately perhaps for her reason the interval of suspense was very short on leaving the house he met one of mrs whitlaw's domestic blacks her slaves though much too well treated too lazy and too happy to join in the insurrection were still negroes and as such most ardently interested in the success of their less happy fellow-slaves the man was returning from the scene of outrage and seeing egerton whom he remembered as an english visitor hurrying towards it he civilly stopped him and begged him to return colonel beauchamp said the panting egerton he has been dead this hour sir returned the negro casting down his eyes but very nearly smiling at the same moment and judge johnson he added in the same respectful tone has been done for longer still it is needless to dwell on the scenes which followed 
mrs whitlaw assured her agitated neighbours that they were now in no danger but that as their former residence would offer a scene too painful for them to look upon their best course would be to accept the loan of her carriage and horses and set off for new orleans or perhaps for new york directly for england dearest mrs beauchamp exclaimed egerton accept from me the duty the affection the protection of a son and let me accompany you to england all that was likely to make this scheme appear desirable to the agitated widow was soon explained to her the misses perkins seemed ready to take upon themselves the duties of the slave she had lost so they might be permitted to accompany her and in short for short it now must be everything concerning what they left behind was consigned to the management of the friendly and prosperous clio and within twenty-four hours after egerton's arrival he was on the road back to new orleans escorting his annie her mother his two countrywomen and the faithful nina to that city the tide had reached the point at which it is most favourable for vessels to work down the river from new orleans to the belize and egerton with the party of females above enumerated were waiting on the noble wharf for the arrangement of the ladder which was to assist them to get on board two fine vessels were at that moment preparing to depart for europe and the part of the wharf near which they both lay was crowded with spectators in the midst of this crowd was a group less quiet and less sad-looking than their own and which presently roused their attention by suddenly approaching them my dearest mrs beauchamp exclaimed my bold-hearted heroine too secure of an immediate retreat to be afraid of anything goodness me if there isn't the perkinses cried patty clapping her hands my dear ladies our ladder is ready said the major still enacting the character of the reverend mr o'donagough and presenting his arm to his wife tornorino performed the same duty to his and the whole party brushed by mr egerton and his friends none of whom gave a look or uttered a word of recognition and mounted with every appearance of glee the lovely anna bound for home the party bound for england were also on board in a few minutes and the two vessels followed each other closely down the river the navigation of which though slow was perfectly prosperous and patty amused herself most delightfully during nearly the whole time it lasted by peeping at her old friends through a telescope and proclaiming their quizzical looks to every one who would listen to her the ingratitude of these perkinses is perfectly disgusting said mrs allen barnaby with a shrug heaven knows where they are all bundling to she added but there is one thing you must promise me my dearest donny and it is that if we ever have the misfortune of falling in with any of that horridly vulgar set on the continent you will look at one and all of them as if you had never set eyes on them before end of chapter forty four end of the barnabys in america by francis milton trollope recorded by celine Major.